Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Ocean State Sidelines. Not CBS Sports March Madness, but close enough, right? Absolutely close enough. I, <laughs> I thought it was a great call, uh, Will, to uh, welcome in the March edition of the Ocean State Sidelines yes. podcast. And here we are. Here we are. Always a really fun time of year. That, that, that music just gets me excited. I can't wait for, for everything that's happening this week and, and the weeks to come. Uh, March Madness. Here we go. Definitely gives you chills. By the way, Brent McGuire, Winsaki Cole, Pawtucket yeah, Times, yes, here with uh, Will Gagan, sports editor with the South Cali Independent. And basketball is definitely in the air, Will. And we have college basketball terms to talk about. We have a big uh, high school basketball event taking place this weekend at the Ryan Center. But we will begin with a little college hoops, and specifically the Friars, who open Big East tournament play tonight. We're recording this on Wednesday afternoon against a familiar foe, the Butler Bulldogs, who they are seeing for the third time in 15 days. Yeah, it's the uh, the eight nine game in the Big East tournament, um, and, and like you said, very familiar with this Butler team. Uh, I don't I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for PC. They there is that old saying, whether it's true or not, it's hard to beat a three t- a good team three times in in a season. Who knows if Butler is is in that category? But yeah, it probably is tough to beat them three times. But at the same time. PC's got to be feeling pretty good about the you know the way they played in their finale, the way things went in that game, uh, and going out and taking on the same team again tonight. Yeah, what uh, my biggest takeaway from the uh, Saturday's regular season finale was that they shot the ball mm-hmm. extremely well, hit 11 threes. AJ Reeves had his stroke going. You know, if he's on like that, you know, you'd like to think that they have a chance to make a little bit of noise in this Big East tournament. I was thinking about it this week, and, you know, you go back to all the post-game press conferences, like after they lost to Marquette and after they lost to Georgetown, both of those coaches, Patrick Ewing and uh, Steve Wojciechowski, went out of their ways to kind of, like, praise the Friars <clears throat> in, in a way that suggested that they didn't want to run into them come this Big East tournament. And the other key factor that's kind of stood out recently for the Friars is Isaiah Jackson, you know, playing like a senior who knows that his time is coming to an end. He's scored in 20 points in two of the last three games, averaging close to like 18 points over a three-game stretch. He's finally found a shot after struggling in that department for much of the season. I think we saw a few too many, one out of seven from three-point range, three out of 15 games. He's taking better shots, more in the flow, but it all goes back to A.J. Reeves. If he's knocking down shots, this is an offense that isn't so bogged down and really kind of maybe trying to get points from Nate Watson really making him the focal point. You know, you would have an inside-outside game going, and that could really be a productive thing for the Friars if they want to have an extended stay in New York this week. Yeah, I agree that A.J. Reeves, that's what it comes down to for them. He, you know, he was he was missing, and he was what they needed. He, you know, he was out, injured for quite a while, and then even when he first came back, wasn't quite up to speed. During that whole time, what they needed was a knockdown shooter, and that's what he can provide. And you know, it seems based on that that season finale that he is at least back up to close to full speed. He played 25 minutes. Uh, he he took 13 shots more than any, anybody on the team. Made six of eight from three. If that happens, I think I, I think they could play with anybody in the field. And I think you know one of the other keys tonight is you know neutralizing uh, Butler's uh, leading scorer, Junior Kamar Baldwin. You know, they did a good job with against him when they were out at uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse a few weeks ago. Did a pretty good job with him, I thought, on Saturday. He actually ended up following out after picking up a technical. 
But, um, you know, you, you, you take away your main power source and all of a sudden, like we've seen with the Friars, you know, you're asking guys who are used to like producing at a high clip, can they step up? And against Butler, you know, if you're Butler against the Friars, you really haven't seen that. You know, they got the second, the third, and the fourth guys really step to the forefront. Yeah, absolutely. And the other, the other factor at play with all this is, uh, you know, how much does, does PC's experience at Madison Square Garden, their experience making runs in this tournament, can that matter with these guys? You know, I mean, are there enough guys back who, who were there? I mean, last year they had that kind of a magic run with, with a couple of overtime games and ended up you know, losing to Villanova. That was another overtime game. So can they get that rolling again? Can they tap into that? Well, expanding on that point, Will, you know, one thing that I think this Fry group, this young Fry group benefited from this year was they got the chance to play in New York, in Madison Square Garden, right against St. John. Yeah. So it's not like it'll yeah. be their first time under those bright lights. You know, A.J. Reeves has a game under under that roof. So does David Duke, Jimmy Nichols, maybe Chris Monroe if he gets minutes as well. You know, they've been there. They know what it's like going in the elevator, going up, maybe smelling the popcorn, as Ed Cooley liked to say the other day. <laughs> but, um, you know, there is definitely a comfort level there. And, you know, it's uh, New York City is a, a big uh, PC alumni area. Mm. You know, they're actually having their big uh, soiree for alumni this afternoon as we speak at uh, PJ Clark's. And uh, a lot of people will be heading over to the game afterwards. But, uh, you know, I'm sure there'll be a strong fire presence there this week. And you always hear the stories about, uh, you know, coaches, they pack like four suits, four dress shirts, four ties. I'm sure Ed Cooley certainly did that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They'll, they'll be prepping for a, uh, a long stay in Manhattan if they can make it happen. But uh, if they get past Butler tonight, it's a very quick turnaround and you get it's, Villanova. I mean, yeah, number one Villanova. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's truly a test because this game mm-hmm. tonight tips off at 7 o'clock. Maybe gets over, maybe quarter past nine, the latest, and then you got to get ready like 15 hours later to play a Villanova team that's not as potent as right. it has been in the last couple of years, but they're still the top seed in this year's tournament. Yep, and they own two wins over PC this year, um, so it's, that that will be a tough challenge if if PC can get past Butler. So that's a uh, that would be a Thursday quarterfinal for PC if they if they do beat Butler at noon and uh, just across the East River the URI Rams will be playing at the same exact time on Thursday Uh, they open Atlantic 10 tournament play with a second round game against LaSalle at noon on NBC Sports Network on Thursday Uh, the Rams you know much like PC and and probably even more so feeling really good about themselves right now they had lost five in a row and then just kind of found their way out of it they had that blowout win over George Washington Overtime wins over Dayton and St. Joe's, and then just blew past UMass in their regular season finale on Saturday. UMass is UMass, and had had kind of you know looked like they had kind of given up a little bit in that game, but at the same time, you or I you know, was just making shots. They were playing defense. They were doing it all. Shot sixty eight percent, which is the second best shooting percentage ever recorded recorded by a URI team in a single game, which is insane that this team did that it's stunning that in this season when we've talked about so much struggles particularly from three-point range that they really have their offense going much like the Friars a team that have has kind of struggled in that department and you know what good for the Rams like good for the Friars they're picking up steam at the right time going into uh you know a10 championship play and probably kind of emerging as a team that you probably don't want to see yeah i i don't think vcu is thrilled about being you know potential uh, quarterfinal matchup if you if you or i can get past lasalle uh you know for you or i if they're 
in addition to the win streak, in addition to feeling good about themselves and the way things are going offensively, they also have beaten three of the top four seeds in the A-10 tournament. They beat VCU, they beat Dayton, they beat St. Bonaventure, who kind of surged into the four seed. Um, all that said, they also lost to VCU and to Dayton by 25, 30 points. So it's a wide range of possible outcomes here. But if you or I, I think, plays the way they have been playing, they can make a run and they can, they can, uh, they can make some noise and they can certainly put into a scare into VCU and, and potentially more if they were to get into that game. I think if you're, you know, maybe if you're VCU, what happens if you stub your toe? Does that all of a sudden make the A-10 league a, a two-bid league and that you have the quote-unquote bid stealer come into play here? Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, VCU is, I, I think, feeling pretty comfortable as an at-large team at this point. No one else is, so um, if, if VCU gets knocked out, then yeah, that, that, the path is open um, and, and there will be two teams. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the A-10 tournament. A lot of teams have, other than VCU, no one has really taken the bull by the horns in the league. A lot of ups and downs. Um, so VCU hasn't lost, actually, since they played URI. Uh, way back in January, January 23rd, they ended the season with 12 wins in a row. So they are the hottest team in the league and playing really, really well. So if URI gets to that game, that's a big challenge. But, you know, like we said, uh, Rams, Rams are feeling good. And, and, you know, talking about PC's experience with the Big East tournament, URI's got a lot of experience in big postseason games. You know, Cyril Langevin and Jeff Doughton, they don't know anything other than playing the A-10 title game. As freshmen and sophomores, they were in that game won it as freshmen, uh, lost last year's sophomores. They've also played four NCAA tournament games in their career. That I think that matters in March, just knowing what it takes to win. Sure. Like Faz Russell right now, he was part of that team yep. a year ago, and he's playing with great confidence. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Fats Tuesday and everything else, I, I saw that, you know, national player that we candidate. Yep. Yep. He's been on fire. He's part of that group that knows what it's like to – do damage this time of year. Kind of like Alpha DL for the Friars and Isaiah Jackson as well. You know, there are guys who I'm sure the coaching staffs of their respective teams will be leaning on knowing that, okay, we know what we have to do, but it's about maybe you guys kind of showing these guys the ropes about what to do because it's a lot of quick turnarounds. Like we said about PC, playing on it tonight, going to have to play on noon. You know, there's one-day turnarounds. It's kind of like those tournaments when you play in November to kind of get that experience right mm-hmm. now and you know, kudos to like the coaching staffs for each side. I'm sure they're, you know, doing scouting in advance. Even though they're going to say it's all about that game that day, but you can't help but also do a little homework ahead, knowing that okay, we have a quick turnaround to deal with. Yeah, and we should mention, you know, talking a little more about URI's uh, first matchup against LaSalle. Well, the Explorers were were brutal in non-conference play in their first year under new head coach Ashley Howard, who is a Villanova guy, actually. Um, started two and twelve, and then uh, lost. I, I believe it was five out of their first six in a ten play. Then went seven and six the rest of the way. So they actually have been playing really well, and they're kind of a different team than the one that you or I beat um, back in January, pretty early in conference play. So uh, I think everyone, you know, is, is maybe I've seen a lot of brackets that have penciled in you or I um, against VCU, and I, I think that's a strong possibility as well. But they certainly can't look past LaSalle. I think, uh, you know, if the Friars can pull through tonight, you know, noontime tomorrow, could be a lot of uh, watering holes, kind of like, you know, 
doing split screen television yes, here. Absolutely. It'll be a, a busy, uh, busy Thursday and, and potentially beyond. It was looking for a while like we were going to have a quiet march around here, but hey, they're, kudos to these teams for uh, putting things together and giving themselves a chance here. That's, absolutely. That's all you can ask for absolutely. at this time of year when yep. you know, things look pretty bleak just a few weeks ago. Yep, definitely. All right, well, we'll transition into the uh, high school version of March Madness in these parts, the state open tournaments for boys and girls. We are down to the final four on both sides. Uh, we have in the boys tournament, North Kingstown and Cranston East facing off in one semifinal and in the other, uh, the, the upset uh, busted bracket, Woonsocket taking on Cumberland. And then on the girls side, we have uh, LaSalle and Barrington, South Kingstown and St. Ray's. Those teams will be in action starting Saturday. The final four games at the Ryan Center, full day of basketball, 12, 2, 4, and 6. And then the uh, championship games on Sunday, 3.30 and 6 o'clock. I got a question for you, Will. Has North Kingstown stopped scoring yet? I, mean, I, I don't think so. I think uh, Ben Massey actually filed a petition with the league to move this weekend's games back to CCRI because he hasn't missed a shot at CCRI. No, he's definitely loved it. That playing there, you know, just getting <laughs> back to the uh, Division One finals against Hendrickson, but yeah, uh, I, I was wondering what was more impressive. Uh, we talked about Erickson Baines and uh, you know scoring fifty-seven points in a single game. You know, a team scoring a hundred in a thirty-two minute game—that's pretty impressive as yeah, well. Yeah, that's a, as good a place to start as any. We're talking about the boys' tournament. I mean, NK just blew past Westerly, hundred to sixty-four, and they took out their starters with nine minutes left in that game. Uh, they were just just rolling, couldn't miss a shot playing defense, getting out on the break, just a dominant game. And the thing is, Westerly went 15-3 and three this year in Division Two. No, and they were no slouch. No slouch at all, and, and played pretty well. They made, in the second half, they made six of their first seven shots. NK made all of their first seven shots. It was just, just a, a huge uphill battle. NK uh, looking like the prohibitive favorite um, after that performance and beating Ponegansett by 44 in their, in their tournament opener. And I think the you know, the other side of that court, Mount Pleasant and Cranston East, the other Elite Eight game on that side of the bracket on Sunday, we talked about that last week as being potential game of the day, mm-hmm. and it lived up to the billing. It was, absolutely. I, uh, I got there for the second half uh, just before the NK Westerly game, and it was just back and forth, guys making big shots, and, and not, not that kind of back and forth where it's uh, turnover, turnover, defensive stop, defensive stop. Guys were hitting big shots. Um, Nelvin Blanco for Cranston East made a bunch. And, and he ended up scoring the game winner. So it's a two-point win for Cranston East. Big win for them. They're the three seed, and they get, get past Mount Pleasant, the six. Uh, so they're heading the Ryan Center for the first time in 15 years. Um, so that's a, a you know, big, big achievement for them. They'll take on NK. Uh, and then the other side of the bracket, uh, Cumberland back for the second year in a row at the Ryan Center, but this time as a 16 seed who, uh, as we talked about last week, knocked off Hendricken. Uh, and then taking on number five seed, Winsocket, who beat Barrington in the Elite Eight. And uh, what a matchup that is. I, I would love to know, you know, Cumberland a year ago, they went as a Division Two team to the Ryan yeah. Center. And now they moved up to as a Division One team to go back. They're the only team in this year's field as a repeat yep. from a year ago. And, you know, it was kind of maybe petitioned the league to maybe name this side of the bracket like the Blackstone Valley Invitational. <laughs> yeah, right. But, um, Just move it up to Bryant. <laughs> well, actually, yeah, that's what uh, T.J. Chalfy actually said that was yeah. talking head coach afterwards. Why not move the game to Bryant right, and probably pack right. it up there? Absolutely, yeah. But um, 
You know, uh, on Sunday, uh, Cumberland took care of business against Tollgate, 65-51, a game that really wasn't that close. Cumberland ended up scoring like 38 points in the paint. They knew they had a distinct advantage down low. They just kept pounding and pounding away. Jackson Zankan had a great game, 24 points, even more impressive, seven blocks. He was doing it on both ends of the court. Dante Avila Santos, the uh, junior, he was uh, a steady at the point guard position with eight assists. And on the flip side, when Socket, they were in a bit of a dogfight against Barrington. It was uh, Barrington was up three with about four minutes to go, and you know when Socket made a switch defensively, you know at that point of the game, Barrington hit ten three pointers, and it seemed like uh, they were just uh, going to have one of those Hoosier Cinderella stories. Mm-hmm. We were going to maybe lump in as uh, maybe this year's true Cinderella. I know Cumberland's a sixteen seed, but Barrington being a Division two team, going up against a Division one foe. But when Socket, down the stretch, they switched to a 2-3 defense. I think when, uh, Barrington missed uh, like six of their final seven shots. And that allowed Woonsocket to really you know, get some easy runouts, some layups. And, well, here they are to the final four. They're going to be appearing in their first game at the Ryan Center since 2008. Yeah, so it's a, it's a lot of teams that are... Are, are trying to do, you know, that haven't been here in a while, that they're trying to do something that, that hasn't been done. A couple of stats. So it's this will be the first time um, that a non-Providence school and a, or a private school has won the state championship since Rogers in 1993, I believe, is the year. Let me see. I, got I think three. it's, we're checking out rihssports.com. If you've never, if you've never looked at that site, it's a treasure trove of high school sports data. Uh, no. But yeah, we have Rodgers in 92-93. Uh, and, and these four teams, they have never won the state basketball championship. Cranston East won a couple of Division I non-state championships in the, uh, in the Rick Harris era back in the early 2000s, um, but not the, not the top-level championship. North Kingstown has won you know, the Division I championship this year, but that was their first at the top level. Uh, and now, obviously, the state championship is available, and Cumberland and Winsaka have also never done it. You mentioned those Rick Harris teams from the early 2000s. One of the players on that team, Isaiah McDaniel, he's now coaching his alma mater. And, well, what do you um, – I don't know if you saw the first matchup this season against North Kingstown, Cranstonista. What's your just general consensus? Yeah, so they've played twice. The regular season game, uh, Cranstonista won. Uh, that was when NK was in the midst of a three-game losing streak, had a couple guys out with the flu – or, you know, limited by the flu. And that was the last loss for the Skippers. They won 14 in a row since then. Uh, they played in the semifinals of the Division One tournament against Cranston East. And that was a really good game, back and forth, um, you know, up and down game. NK ended up pulling away late, uh, one by 12, did not feel like a 12-point game. So I, I think that's going to be a really, really good game, really tough matchup uh, for NK. They, they match up well together. They both tend to play kind of like four guard lineups with a with a, a burly big man um, so they're they're sort of mirror images of each other in that way I think NK shoots it a little better from outside so they'll try to um, use that to their advantage as for the Cumberland Woonsocket matchup if you're a loyal listener to the podcast you you heard us talk about how crazy it was that they were meeting for the third time earlier this season so now they meet for the fourth time fourth time but here's the difference they're meeting for the first time since January 9th, and I wrote this earlier this week. Teams tend to evolve over the course of a season. Yep. I think that if you uh, put uh, Gary Reedy and uh, TJ Chalfey, the two coaches, strapped into a polygraph, and they would say that, yeah, we're totally different from the teams that faced each other like three times over a four-week span. I think uh, you know if you're Cumberland, 
You had Jackson Zankin, a player who has stepped out of the shadows of Tyler Kolick, his uh, co-partner in crime a year ago when they got to the Ryan Center. You know, you're relying on a freshman in Colin Morris right now, Seth Anderson, another freshman. You're starting two freshmen on this wow, team, which is pretty impressive. Yeah. And you're and a junior and a sophomore. And and a senior. So you're talking about a wide range yeah. of, of uh classes right there. But when Socket, I think uh, they've been kinda circling this year as it turns out, okay, maybe this is the chance that we get out of the basketball wilderness. We talked about that two thousand eighteen that got to the uh, final game of the division one tournament. You know, Dwayne Robinson O'Hagan, he's been talked about as one of the best players in the state all season. If it's, you know, maybe in terms of being a pure scorer, Denzel Lyles, very athletic. If his jump shot is on, he's very impressive. When Sagan has some size in the front court that can certainly cause problems, I'm certainly looking forward to it. I know people are going to say, oh, you know, why don't you like to play somebody else? I mean, you know, let's sell the score. You, yeah. It's an easy scouting report if you think about it. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't. Think of anything better than a rivalry game in the Final Four. Pretty cool. And these Pretty two teams play so. each other Thanksgiving, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right, so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the girls' uh, tournament as well. All Division One teams in the, uh, in the Final Four, which is the way it has tended to go in the, uh, in the girls' state tournament. Not quite as much parity as the boys, although all Division One teams in the boys this year anyway. So All Division One, but also you have a 16. You have a 16, yes, yes. So... Uh, we have LaSalle and Barrington, South Kingstown, St. Ray's. Uh, those are the top four seeds in the tournament. LaSalle has been just pretty dominant so far. Um, you know, after winning the Division One title, they they blew past Pilgrim in a game. Uh, you know, against a D three team, just totally different levels. Uh, but then against a Division One team, Bayview, who's the nine seed, LaSalle won by twenty six points in the Elite Eight. So they are kind of clicking on all cylinders right now. Um, as for Barrington, they beat Portsmouth, fellow Division One team in the Sweet 16, and then topped uh, D2 uh, contender Situate by six points in the Elite Eight in a you know, defensive battle. So LaSalle and Barrington squaring off in the Final Four. Those two have met a lot in the playoffs over the last few years, um, so they know each other well. Um, that'll be an interesting game to kick off the Final Four. And on the other side of the bracket, South Kingstown was the D1 runner-up to LaSalle, uh, and we'll be looking for another shot at the Rams. Uh, they take on St. Ray's. That is a rematch of a semifinal game in the Division One tournament that was a pretty good game uh, at East Greenwich High School. Yeah, Faith Hutchins, I uh, pulled up my box score from that day. She was hit, looked like she had one big shot after another, finished with 16 points, four threes. I remember uh, Amaya Dowdy that night, the St. Rayfield uh, big girl. She battled foul trouble, only had 10 points. It just seemed that, uh, you know, as St. Rayfield had, like, the maybe the athletic advantage, South Kingstown had the, the crafty advantage. And I mean, like, they knew to go where all the spots on the floor. They didn't do anything fancy. They just, you know, beat you with sheer will. Yeah, they're a, they're a well-schooled team, and they're just so strong defensively. Uh, their game against Classical and the Elite Eight, it was, they were, it was kind of a tight game. SK wasn't shooting the ball well. All of a sudden, they started forcing turnovers, getting out on the break, running, running wild, and all of a sudden, it was a 21-point win uh, for them. That's what they can do to teams, uh, and that's what they'll try to do to the Saints. They, they had a really good regular season matchup as well, uh, where SK rallied from a pretty big deficit for a win. Yeah, it was uh, 53-47 back on January 24th. But if you're seeing Rayfield, you know you know about Amaya Dowdy, the big uh, sophomore center from Woonsocket, actually. Um, my two keys, Elizabeth Bruno and uh, Paige O'Brien, two guards who know how to score. They only had 10 points combined the last time against mm. SK. you got to get them going if you have any chance to go to the finals. Yeah, definitely. Bruno had a big game when St. Ray's beat uh, North Kingstown 
in the Sweet 16, and then they went on to beat Westerly uh, for the spot in the Final Four. So we'll uh, we'll see how that how that goes. LaSalle and Barrington's at noon. SK St. Ray's at two, and then the boys' games to follow on Saturday at the Ryan Center. Uh, not quite March Madness. I, I don't know. Maybe we could puck we madness. Could, puck madness. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we got puck we got ho- hockey on tap uh, for this weekend. A couple of titles have been decided. Pilgrim won the Division Three championship. LaSalle won the girls' title uh, this weekend. We have the Division One and Division Two championship series. Uh, it is a Hendrick and LaSalle matchup in the Division One bracket. That's the top seed and the and the number two seed. If you were hoping for a uh, a magical Mount St. Charles run, it, it they fell a little bit short against LaSalle and what was what is described as a, just a classic game, a double overtime a loss in game two of the semifinal series. Yeah, the uh, final game for the uh, yep. Belial tandem, Bill and Dave, and uh, they, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, obviously it wasn't the ending what they wanted, but, uh, you know, I'm sure they have no complaints about the effort that this uh, team gave this year, yeah. uh, fighting against a LaSalle team that, you know, was probably the favorite in the series, and, you know, everyone thought it was going to be Hendrick and LaSalle once again, and that proved to be the case, but Mount certainly uh, put up its uh, fair share of a good fight. Yeah, definitely. And that's uh championship series is at Brown University's Meehan uh, Auditorium, and then Division Two Cumberland against the Providence Country Days St. Ray's Wheeler Co-op team. You tried typing that all year for the schedule. <laughs> yes. That was a mouthful the whole year. <laughs> they call themselves PSW, so that's what I usually go with. You know, I don't. I'm, I can't. I can't be using nine different words to describe one team. It's almost like Voltron when you know you're you're combining all the forces. And everything. I, yeah, we really Eric Rube of the Providence Journal was talking about how these co-ops should really use just pick one name, and I am completely on board with that. And everyone's worried about one school feeling like they're left out. Just come up with, a, with their own name. Well, kind of like the girls down here, the South County Storm. Exactly, the South that County was perfect. Storm. That's fantastic. And they came with their own nickname too. Yes. It wasn't like it wasn't yeah. like sometimes you, you if you come up with these you know combined names, you take the nickname of the lead exactly. school. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. How about the the Seekonk River Bandits? I thought would be. I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> and they're taking on Cumberland, like I said. So quite a weekend for Cumberland Athletics. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I think uh, there's a bus that's going down to the Ryan Center, <laughs> going up to Main Auditorium. I hope there's a couple of sandwiches on there too. Yeah. Uh, and uh, but uh, big weekend in that town, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for us here on Ocean State Sidelines, the March Madness edition. Uh, lots of basketball to watch over the next couple of days. That's what I'm going to be doing. That's what you're going to be doing. We'll, uh, I'm, we'll see each other Saturday at the Ryan Center, and we'll be back next week to recap it. And also maybe we'll talk a little March Madness, the big tournament. Let's do it. Take care, guys.